Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until in the afternoon, and there was about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. And at once one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centron and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Many women were also there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Joseph and Mary of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb when he had hewn in the rock. He then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite of the tomb. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And he appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, and they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for we, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Creator, this morning I ask that you make my heart your heart, my words your words. If anything I say is untrue, may it fall away from our ears, never to be retained. But if what is proclaimed this morning is true, may be written on our hearts, so that we may know the depths of your grace, of your love. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 
During our journey through this season of Lent, the season leading up to Easter Sunday, we have been discussing the Apostles' Creed as a way for us to reflect, to remember, to understand what it is that we are affirming when we say the Apostles' Creed. And if you're just joining us today, perhaps this phrase, Apostles' Creed, is unfamiliar. We typically say this creed together in our traditional services, In this space, we typically say it, or you'll hear portions of it, uh, when we celebrate baptism or confirmation or introduce a new member into the church and on special occasions such as this series. This creed is printed in your order of worship, and so I invite you to follow along as we continue in our discussion. If you are familiar with the creed and you're just joining us this morning, or if you're still recovering from spring break, like some of us are, or last night's basketball game, uh, we might need a little bit of a refresher on what we've been talking about over the several course of several weeks. And don't worry, we're going to get everybody caught up this morning. When we recite, when we read, when we consider the creed, we are engaging with a few words that are packed with realities and truths of our faith. Truths that continue to shape and to reshape our lives. The Apostles' Creed is rooted in the history of the church. It was developed over the first few centuries of Christendom. And it states the very doctrine of the Christian faith. Of what we believe. In fact, that's how it starts. I believe in. I believe in. Now, this phrase is more than just, I am of the opinion that, right? The original Latin translates, I believe in, I have faith in, I'm committed to. So what do we believe in? What do we have faith in? What are we committed to? Well, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in God. We believe in God who is divine, who holds all authority. We believe in God who created and creates good. And when we proclaim that God created all things good, we are mindful as we look around creation that within our existence we see brokenness, we see evil, we see sin. Brokenness, evil, and sin were not created by God. Rather, they are the product of turning away from what good God intended there to be. I have faith in. I trust in. I'm committed to God who is divine, who, is, who has created and is creating good. I believe in Jesus Christ, His Son. As the Father is eternal, Christ the Son is also eternal. As the Father is God, Christ the Son is God. And Christ speaks about this in John 14 when he's having a conversation with Philip. He's like, hey, Phil, listen, we've known each other for a very long time. Do you not yet know who I am? Do you not yet know that the Father abides in me and I abide in the Father? So Phil, anytime that somebody sees me, anytime that somebody knows me, they know the Father. Jesus is not a lesser part of God, but Jesus is God, God's self in flesh. We're familiar with the song, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, His name is called Emmanuel. 
We're singing this word, Emmanuel, which is defined as God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. God the Father, God the Son, is God. So this verbiage of God the Father and God the Son, we see this divine relationship within God, God's self. And we'll speak more of the third person of the Trinity next week when we look at the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus, that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. Throughout Scripture, there are stories when Jesus seems like a normal human being, right? Jesus travels and walks the beach and eats with friends. It sounds like Jesus goes on spring break once in a while, right? But also we have stories of Jesus being fully divine. Stories where he heals others, where he feeds the multitude. In Scripture, Jesus, fully divine, fully human. We worked with this imagery last week, and I love this imagery that we saw from Origen's example of iron being forged in fire, right? When iron is placed in fire, it is still iron, but through the iron's veins runs fire. So if you touch the iron, you get burnt, right? Same goes with Jesus. Jesus is fully human, yet Jesus is forged in God's wisdom, God's goodness. So if you touch Jesus... You touch God. We believe in Jesus, the Lord. In the Old Testament, we find moments where this term Lord is paired with the Hebrew word for God. And when this occurs, it's a proclamation of the people of the time that this is the Lord our God. This is the Holy One who is divine, who is creator. And when we move to the New Testament to proclaim that Jesus is Lord is to say that Jesus is the Holy One who holds all authority from above And he also holds all authority over the earth. So, so far, we have said, I have faith in, I trust in, I committed to God, who is divine, who has created and creates good. I have faith in, I trust in, I'm committed to God the Son, who is fully divine, fully human, who holds all authority in heaven and in earth. In our text this morning, from the Gospel of Matthew We see a part of the passion narrative of Jesus' death and resurrection. And this is the next section of our statement of faith. We believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and the third day he rose from the dead. You and I can think about events that have happened within our lives, perhaps are happening now, that have become markers of our time in history. I'm thinking back to when I was in the 11th grade and working on a photography project. I was in the darkroom developing film, and there was a knock on the door. You got to come out, Chase. You got to come out. There's something going on. I was like, I'm not through with this picture yet. We're going to ruin the picture, ruin the project, knock on the door. It doesn't matter. Something's going on. Something happened in New York. A plane hit a building. Later on, We would come to know that day as 9-11. I remember what I was doing that day, and perhaps you do as well. But that day was stamped into our history. That day was stamped into our history. Now, there are others who are here today, uh, children, youth, and I hate to say this, anybody that's under 20, uh, did not experience that day, right? Yet, that event is stamped as a part of their history as our communal history. 
more than likely, we will have something that stamps our own existence in history. Last summer, I met with a few family members, and we, we took a trip to New uh, Friendship Cemetery, which is just up the road on Greene County 514. Turns out a lot of my family members, extended family members, are buried there. And so we took a trip there, we looked uh, for their markers, we found them, and, and I did not know them personally, but I heard stories of their experience that took place during the span of the years that were stamped on their tombstone. This reference of Pilate and the Creed stamps Jesus' story into history. It proclaims that the crucifixion story of Jesus Christ happened. And it took place during the time and under the governance of Pontius Pilate. The crucifixion of Jesus wasn't a fairy tale, right? Jesus' persecution did not take place in a land uh, far, far away or under the rule of a king named Lord Farquhar, right? This actually happened. It happened in a definite place at a definite time. So not only do we see this stamp in the creed, we see it in each gospel, in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. And having this stamp, this placement of Jesus Christ before Pilate, is part of the good news. For this stamp marks a time in which God the Son, our Lord, our Savior, entered into history to meet and to redeem us. And friends, we share this experience when we recall this communal history in the creed. When we recall our communal history when we read it in the scripture. That God entered into history to meet us. To redeem us. And when God did so, God was rejected. This horrific act of crucifixion was not unique to Jesus' execution. This was a barbaric practice reserved for the lowest of criminals in the eyes of the governmental powers that ruled at the time. The intention of utilizing crucifixion as a means of execution was not just to achieve putting someone to death. It was an act of displaying humility, of shame, and prolonged suffering. God suffered in Christ taking upon Himself the most humiliating, shameful suffering and death that this world had to offer. Why? Because God desires to be in a relationship with humankind in spite of the depth of human rebellion against God. Friends, the death of Jesus Christ reveals the relational character of God and the depth of His love for this world. So how deep is God's love? God entering into history through Jesus? Yes. God teaching us how to be in relationship with God through Jesus? Yes. God facing the injustice and suffering of this world? Yes. God experiencing death on the cross through Jesus? Yes. It goes a little bit deeper than that. In the printed creed that you have before you, this is an adaptation of the original creed. For there is a translation uh, that says this, That Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. This phrase might come across odd or a little bit uncomfortable. Jesus descended into hell. But there are several things that are going on here. First, 
Another word for hell is Hades. So saying Christ descended into hell or descended into Hades, simply put as this, that Christ went to the realm of the dead. And this is important because this statement emphasizes the reality that Jesus experienced death. Jesus didn't just pass out on the cross. Jesus didn't go into a coma. Jesus died for real. Jesus entered into hell, entered into Hades, or in the Jewish understanding of the afterlife, Jesus entered into Sheol, the abode of the dead. When we come across this term in the Old Testament, Sheol, it's usually partnered with a description such as the cords of Sheol, the bondage of Sheol, the sorrow of Sheol, the darkness of Sheol. Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine, dies and enters into death's eternity of bondage, of sorrow, and of darkness. How is this part of the good news? Because, friends, in Jesus, God's love is stamped in history. A history that we share. A history that is full of brokenness, of evil, and of sin. A history that needed to experience reconciliation. In Jesus, God's love faced the cross. In Jesus, God's love extended into the very depths of death's eternal bondage, sorrow, and darkness. And in Jesus, God's grace, God's love broke the cords of bondage, broke the cords of sorrow, broke the cords of darkness and death. How do we know this? Because the third day, he rose from the dead. I have faith in, I trust in, I'm committed to God who is divine who has created and creates good. In God, the Son, who is fully divine, fully human, who holds all authority in heaven and in earth, who enters into history, who experienced suffering and death, who died and who broke the bondage of death in His resurrection. Because of Jesus, I have faith in, I trust in, I'm committed to God's grace, God's love, in which there is no depth beyond its reach. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, thank you for these words written so long ago. Thank you for your grace. That there is no depth in which we cannot experience it. We ask that if we find ourselves walking through times in which we think we have gone beyond your love, that your Holy Spirit move within our hearts, Make your grace known, just as you did through the work of Christ. In Christ's holy name, amen. We are ending this sermon of the series in in reciting the Apostles' Creed, so I invite us to stand together as we recite the Creed, and it will be printed in your bulletin and also printed on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascendeth into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.